I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Story time. My family has a ranch in South Texas. 
After a particularly long day clearing brush, my dad, uncle, and I hopped in our truck and headed up toward the trailer. It was dusk when we left, so the sun had just began to droop below the cedar and mesquite brush line. Now, it was about a 20 minute drive back to the trailer so by the time we began pulling up the dirt path it had gotten pretty dark. Dad hopped out of the truck to unlock the gate and that's when all three of us heard this horrible scream followed by a ton squealing sounds. Growing up on a ranch, you hear a ton of different sounds and see millions of different sights. It's hard to put into words, but this sounded like what I'd imagine death would. After several consecutive seconds, less than a minute, but definitely longer than 30. The squealing stopped and was followed by several thunderous booms that shook the truck we had taken refuge in. From the direction of the sounds, a herd of several dozen hogs stampeded toward us. These weren't javelina or other small game. No, these were full-grown, big-ass hogs running right toward us. Several slammed head-first into the passenger side of the truck. As with the squealing, the stampede ended as quickly as it began with the hogs disappearing into the brush. The next morning we went out to inspect the damage. The damage to the truck was incredible, massive dents with clumps of blood and fur attached in various places. Several piglets and smaller hogs were trampled or died from contact with the truck. We decided to trace the source of the stampede, where we had first heard the squealing. So we made our way through the thicket of cat claw and mesquite brush until we found it. Three, possibly four piglets were absolutely slaughtered, torn apart, and a coyote lay dead and bloodied right in the middle of it. The worst part, a large hunting knife embedded in the coyote. That's when we realized, there was someone else out there that night. I work at a Boy Scout camp in the Sierras called Camp Wolfboro. The camp runs for the summer and seven weeks of not interacting with anyone but children and the other staff makes us a little crazy. We get bored and do stupid stuff. Metal detecting at 2 AM because eff it. So anyway I was walking around at around 11 PM with my friend Colin when he just dead stops in the middle of the trail and says we are being watched. He's in the military so I assume he knows this shit and I stop and start looking around for someone or something. Colin points off into the tree line and we see two shining eyes looking at us from around 30 yards off. He whispers Bigfoot and as if on K this big ass Bigfoot stands up and just stares at us. We, being boy scouts, are prepared for this situation and start cussing it out at the top of our lungs, while making hand motions and walking away slowly. It lumbers off. I work on a vehicle ferry. It's a short route, only 2 miles across a river, 24 hour service. Every half hour, I'm walking through the boat from the deck to the pilot house. I was on the biggest of our four boats, which has two long hallways in the passenger lounge, connected at each end with a semi-large foyer. There are windows along each hallway. It's 1.30 am and the lights are on inside, so I can only see reflections in the windows instead of seeing the darkness outside. I'm approaching the end of the left hallway and in my peripheral, I see the reflection of a woman in white with waterlogged long black hair covering her face. She was standing in the foyer ahead of me. I swung my head to look at the reflection straight on, 
but she wasn't there anymore. I slowly looked around the corner and into the foyer, but there wasn't anyone there. I hightailed it into the pilot house and didn't tell my crew in case they joked on me. I saw her again going down the same hallway, in the same manner, two hours later. I watched the show Supernatural, so I started carrying a vial of salt with me in case that would actually work to dispel it enough for me to run. I've asked around, the only person that died on the ferries was a chief engineer two decades ago due to a heart attack, and that was on another boat. Definitely not a female and not drowned. My name is Jonathan, and I've been a ranger for 12 years now. I've always loved working in the forest. You see, it's very quiet, peaceful, and it feels like it's the only career path where you can really be one with nature. But I've experienced some paranormal things here and there, ranging from unexplained to downright terrifying. I'm gonna start this story off with what happened. I won't mention the name of the town, but I'll say that it's very old, and the only people that live out there are those who either used to live out there or people who enjoy living away from civilization completely. The majority of its population is elderly, which means when we get a call in the middle of the night, it usually means that somebody has passed away. This time was different, however, because it was not an elderly person who had died. It was two hikers, two college students to be exact. They were trekking through the woods when they stumbled upon a large tree that had managed to fall over them, but it was wedged between several other trees. Now, even though we wrote it down as the tree fell on them, I'm going to tell you what really happened. The witness that I interviewed said she had watched them go up about 10 feet before turning around to head back to town. That's when she saw this massive canine leap out of nowhere, attacking both of them. It dragged one of the girls off but ripped the other girl right in half, spilling out her innards on the tree below. When my partner and I went out there together, we found their bodies less than 100 feet away from each other, which is why we had to write this down as a tree fell on them. It just makes the paperwork easier. Now, no trace of this creature or canine was ever found. Their bodies and faces were so mangled, recognition was nearly impossible. We had to use dental records to do it. This was also very close to town and in view of a lot of the community, which is why we had several witnesses. Personally, I have no idea what could have done this or why it happened, but I know one thing's for sure, seeing a young woman like that ripped apart by something like, I don't know, a werewolf, really does a number on you. Anyway, I hope this story was enough to convince you that the woods aren't always exactly safe. Take it from a guy like me who works in this job field, I see it and experience it a lot more than we're allowed to talk about. I was in the Marine Corps for about six years. When I got out, I worked for several different companies with the government. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was not emotionally or financially stable enough to re-enter the civilian world. So after talking to somebody in the Department of Defense, I took a job at this particular base. I did know what I was getting into, but I knew it would be better than jumping out of a plane or simply blowing things up. I had heard rumors about strange bases and all kinds of top-secret projects over the years, but I never saw any proof of their existence until I began working on this particular base. It was a hot base, 
meaning that we had active duty personnel as well as contractors working there. The first couple of months were all pretty uneventful, except for the fact that my security clearance kept getting higher and higher. I was working in a very small office with only six desks in the room with five other people. I was the low man on the totem pole, so I got stuck in the back room with no windows. The walls must have been soundproofed with foam. Whenever somebody slammed a file cabinet door or dropped something on their desk, it sounded like a bomb going off. One day, my boss told me to follow him, and he took me down a series of hallways until we got to a special room. Inside this room were shelves and shelves of computers and what looked like either contraptions made out of metal or other materials. He informed me that these were real alien artifacts from a crash site located in Roswell, New Mexico. These were replicas from the late 1940s, and they looked pretty new. I have no idea how they made these or got these, but they also had several other replicas and models of other devices built by engineers who had studied them. I kept asking my boss questions about these artifacts, but he kept brushing me off and would tell me to focus on the work. I couldn't stop thinking about them, so I tried to do some digging on my own. It was not very long before I started finding my own things. We had several different projects going on, and everybody worked in a cubicle with a desk, a chair, and a computer. On the opposite wall of the room were several bulletin boards with different memos, white papers, and reminders. I was at my desk one day looking for a copy of an email when I noticed that there were several memos up there, top secret ones, and they did not have the clearance level next to them. It was the titles of these memos that struck me as odd, so I decided to print them off and take them back to my desk. I will list the titles. I have no idea what they mean, Project Grudge, Operation Bluefly, Magic 12. The project names intrigued me, so I printed them off and took them back to my desk. I opened up Google and typed in Project Grudge and Operation Bluefly. The only thing that came up were people asking what these projects were, and conspiracy theorists saying they were watching them. To make a long story short, I spent hours and hours looking through various government documents, especially anything that had to do with projects related to aliens. My curiosity was driving me crazy. To say that I got to talking to it was a bit of an understatement. Shortly after, I was monitored, and I had a talking to for observing and looking over these documents. I was actually transferred to a base across the country with all my clearance redacted. I was told the entire reason I was transferred was due to a bad attitude and not complying with my job. Of course, that was on paper, but the real reason was because they were investigating me. They wanted to know what I had found and who I was talking about. What started out as a favor to one of my best friends ended with me being transferred to another state, having to start all over again. Fortunately, I kept copies of everything I'd found, all the documents. About two months after my arrival at the new base, three weeks before I was about to be rotated out of the service, I was called into an interrogation room. I was grilled for about three hours by someone from my old base. I was told that I could not speak of anything I had seen, read, or heard. They also made me sign several non-disclosure agreements and federal documents. My life was threatened if I ever planned on leaking any of this information. I guess we'll see what happens. Now, 
I'm going to go by the name of John Doe for this email. The short of it is this, don't talk to anybody about anything you see, read, or hear at your job if it is not given to you on a silver platter. Government and military jobs are very dangerous for your mental health, believe me. I don't know what they do to people who talk about the things they know, but I do know what they told me, and I'm going to have to be very careful. My name is Alex, and I used to be a part of one of the most elite Navy SEAL teams. We were known for our unwavering loyalty, dedication, and commitment to serving our country. But something changed, and it shook us to our core. A rogue group of ex-Navy SEALs, disillusioned and bitter, broke away from the path of honor and duty. They formed a deadly mercenary organization, calling themselves Valkyrie, and they embraced a life of selling their lethal skills to the highest bidder. The very idea of our former brothers-in-arms becoming enemies of the state left a bitter taste in our mouths. Their actions were brazen and reckless. Valkyrie embarked on a spree of high-profile heists, disrupting peace and threatening global stability. Their targets were high-value assets, and each successful operation fueled their dangerous reputation. As the chaos escalated, our government was left with no choice but to deploy an elite counter-terrorist team, which included me and some of my former comrades, to confront the rogue SEALs. The mission was personal for us, as we felt responsible for bringing our wayward brothers back from the brink. The game of cat and mouse between our teams unfolded across continents, with Valkyrie striking with ruthless precision and disappearing into the shadows. The line between friend and foe blurred as we hunted those we once trusted with our lives. Emotions ran high, and loyalties were tested at every turn. With each encounter, it became evident that our former teammates had truly turned into adversaries. Their hearts had grown cold, and their actions proved that they were willing to sacrifice anything for their twisted cause. In Yemen, we received intel that Valkyrie's enigmatic leader, known only as Black Eye, was holed up in a heavily fortified compound. The tension was palpable as we prepared for the final confrontation, knowing that this would be the moment of truth. The compound was a maze of danger, and we moved with utmost caution, aware that any misstep could lead to disaster. The familiar scent of gunpowder filled the air as the sounds of gunfire echoed through the corridors. The faceless enemy we once called our own, now adorned with the Valkyrie insignia, confronted us with relentless fury. It was a battle of wills, skill, and determination. The stakes were high, and we knew that failure was not an option. In the heart of that compound, amidst the chaos of the firefight, I found myself face to face with Black Eye. His eyes were cold and devoid of any semblance of the person I once knew. It was a painful reminder of how far he had fallen. The seconds felt like an eternity as we locked eyes, and then it happened. I pulled the trigger, and Black Eye fell, his lifeless body crumpling to the ground. It was a moment of closure, but it also brought with it a heavy burden of regret. The explosive showdown in Yemen marked the end of Valkyrie's reign of terror, but it also left scars on our souls. Our hearts were heavy as we returned home, knowing that we had lost brothers on both sides of the battlefield. It was later in the evening, when I was driving back to my in-law's house, 
by myself and was going down a dirt road. I saw something in the ditch up ahead and on the right and didn't really know what it was, until I got up far enough so that my headlights could catch it. I didn't know anything about dogmen, until a couple of years ago. This thing had an outline of a huge dog, but when I got closer, it turned and looked at me. I just floored it. It didn't really bother me, until I noticed it looking at me and I saw that it was actually grasping what it was eating. I got back and didn't say exactly what I saw. I just asked them if there were any big dogs or wolves up where they lived. My father-in-law just laughed and said, no. Then he asked why. I didn't say anything. The thing I will never forget are the reddish, orange eyes, that just kept staring at me. My older sister is a thru-hiker and goes backpacking often. We grew up in Appalachia in a very remote area. Growing up poor we spent a lot of time camping, and now that we're older she lives closer to home and regularly goes camping with my parents. We've had our fair share of bear and wildcat encounters, but nothing like this has happened before. Today I called out of work with a stomach bug. I woke up from a nap and my sister texted me asking if she could give me a call. I live about 5 hours away so I immediately said yes fearing it was an emergency. When I answered I could hear her footsteps, very fast and her hurried breath in the phone. She said that she was in a ridge taking photos of a cave system she found near a large rock formation. When she made it to a clearing, she heard a man call her name. It echoed through the woods. It was then that she reached out to me. While I was talking to her I could hear my dad's voice in the background. She said that she was still an hour from her camp. When she said she was alone I felt the iciest feeling down my neck. I asked her what the man's voice sounded like. She paused and said, it sounded like several voices at the same time, but the loudest sounded like dad. I stayed with her on the phone all the while hearing something that was trying to sound like my dad. He's a lifetime smoker and very tall, so he has a low booming voice that I have always found comforting up until now. When she got to the campsite I told her that I was hearing it the entire time and thought he was there with her. She laughed and thought I was trying to tease her. But once she believed me we were both rightfully spooked after that. My dad is very much alive and well. I posted this to another subreddit and was told to go here how she can protect herself while she's alone in her tent tonight. I told her to sleep in her car. We work in Hohenwald, Tennessee and we're coming home from work driving up a road called Natchez Trace a few hours ago 1.30 am. Whatever it was, it was tall and fast as hell. I've never seen anything move that fast. It jumped completely over the road. The weirdest part was, it stopped and we could see it looking at us from the tree line. Had almost human looking eyes but bigger. It was standing and we could see its eyes but it was definitely trying to stay out of sight. It didn't really look like what I would imagine a Bigfoot, don't believe in Bigfoot anyway, would look like. Maybe more slender but it moved too quickly to get an accurate description of course. Seems to be how it goes with strange sightings. It's extra strange because when I was a kid, my grandparents and I witnessed a white creature messing with their chicken coop. It was also tall and fast. Now we're sitting at home freaked the F out lol. 
Anybody ever seen anything like that? Edit, I did some googling and found the Alabama white thang folklore. Now I'm weirded out. Edit, also to add more info, it definitely seemed to be running on all fours but it stood up, on two legs I guess, once in the trees. I'm 6 foot 4 inches and I'm thinking it had to be about 7 foot tall. So I don't typically believe this kind of stuff, but I had a very strange encounter a little while back that I was telling my coworker about, and they insisted I saw a rake? I've been doing some research since I had no idea what it was, and it looks very similar to what I saw, except from what I've read it's a fictional creature from a creepy pasta. Just learned about that too, so I'm not sure what I saw. Anyway, I was driving home from work about a month or so ago, and was heading down this typically busy side street in Douglas County, Colorado, called Havana. It's kinda close to the Centennial Airport, in a business district, surrounded by apartments. It was about 1.30 am and there wasn't a lot of traffic out, just a jeep in front me. As I was driving around a bend in the road, where Dry Creek turns into Havana. I saw in my peripheral this figure to my right by the sidewalk standing between two small trees held up by wire supports. The creature was standing kind of behind them. At first glance, I figured it was just a big slender dog, like a white greyhound or great dane that escaped and seemed to be standing and barking at traffic by the sidewalk. I was going about 45 miles per hour when I passed, and it was dark out. But noticed as I began to pass by, that it appeared to have a humanoid-shaped head with black eyes, a bent-over hunched back, long slender legs, and an unusually wide-stretched mouth like it was screaming or something. I thought to myself, yo, WTF was that? So I slowed down quickly to look back, and in my mirror I saw the creature turn around and run off towards a fence or brick retaining wall on the other side of the sidewalk. But as it ran off, I saw how tall and slender the creature was, it seemed very pale, almost gray, with a kind of anorexic and bony appearance. It also moved strangely, where its hind leg joints were inverted and bent in the opposite direction from its front legs. At that point, I was seriously creeped out. The jeep in front of me had also slowed down, so I could only assume they saw it, too. We both continued driving as it was late, early and couldn't stop in the middle of a busy road, but that situation really made my skin crawl. I kept checking my mirrors for the rest of the drive home and debating if I should have called a non-emergency line to have an officer check it out, but I told myself they would think I was just an idiot. Now, every night when I take that road, I look around to see if I can spot it again. I really want to believe it was just a dog but I can't stop thinking about how strange and quickly it moved with its backwards knees and how long, wide its mouth stretched. I haven't talked about this much except to some family and my co-worker because, quite frankly, it just sounds ridiculous. I'm just wondering WTF I actually saw? And if it's something I should even be talking about? Or if I should continue to pretend I never saw anything and just move on with my life? The other night my sister and I were riding to our friends in our golf cart. She was driving, I was on the passenger seat. As we neared a stretch of woods I looked over to the woods, 
In my mind I assumed it was a deer within 0.1 seconds, yet this was no deer. I literally screamed, out of fear without realizing, as something on all fours, that looked like a human on all fours, but wasn't, ran into the woods. This thing was white, and looked like a human running on all fours, but much faster and not human, if that makes sense. Later that night we were parked by our friends and I believe something was watching us. As we kept hearing sticks snapping and cracking from the woods, and I felt weirded out. Well once again that's not the end. Today in my car I drove by the woods and right in the exact spot where this creature began to run or crawl into the woods. There was a balloon floating there. WTF I don't know if that can be a coincidence. I'm not entirely sure what the creature was, I've read people suggesting anywhere from a skinwalker to a crawler. I live in Finland, most sparsely populated country in Europe, over 70% of the country is forest. So me and my friends have just recently got a mope driving license, as we are 15 now. We thought it would be fun to drive to this huge ass forest to camp. The forest is like very big, maybe over 30 kilometers or more till the other town. So we drive there, there are three of us, we set a camp and just chill out. After some phone watching and campfire roasted sausage eating, we go for a little ride. The clock is about 20, or 8 p.m. They hop on their dirt bikes, me on my scooter. Scooter, perfect for forest driving. We are like three kilometers out in the forest driving these little forestry roads, until strangely, we can't hear any birds singing no more. At this point I should probably mention, that at this part in Finland where I live, it doesn't get dark at night in summer at all. So anyways it is literally silent. We shut down our bikes and stare at each other. We were there for a couple of minutes, and then just started driving again. At some point we heard a scream. Not big but little. Well that's just a fox, the forest is full of those. We continue. The road ends at this point, and I said that we need to turn back, I'm not going to the forest with my scooter. And now we hear the scream, it is so close that we all literally jump. We try to start our engines like crazy and drive out fast. Remember, even though the clock is now like 21, it is not dark at all. So we drive as fast as we can, and then I see it. Actually, we all see it. A white man just standing in the forest, looking at us. It looked just like others have pictured it at this sub. The creature just looked at us as we drove past it, and nothing crazy happened. Fast forward, the clock is almost midnight, and we are laughing and eating some candy. Suddenly we heard loud banging noise. I still don't know where it came from, cause in the forest there is nothing that makes that kind of noise. It was like banging on metal. We were scared and moved to our tents. We were there for another hour or something like that. Then we want to go to sleep. We do our usual things before bed, eat, brush our teeth, etc. As I'm taking a piss near a tree, I see this man again. And it is so scary. Like it was almost 2.5 meters long I'd say. It just looked at me from the forest and I see it so clear. Like every detail. It was white, had a ugly looking skin, its eyes were black, and long hands. It had no hair at all. I literally almost started to cry and shouted for for them. 
I explained that the same guy we saw earlier was there. For some reason they didn't care at all. So we just go to sleep, even though I couldn't sleep almost at all. There was almost no action at night, unless. I suddenly woke up to my moped being on. I looked out in the F. My moped was running, I don't know no for how long it had ran. One of my friends woke up at almost the same time as me and walked out of his tent. He was confused and laughed and just said why are you driving at like 5am? I just said I don't know, was I sleepwalking? Well I still don't know what caused this, I don't really believe some humanoid guy can start a moped, but it seems like it can. We just left at the morning, and my friends reported that they had been hearing strange noises trough out the night. I don't know, I guess I'm not gonna go there again. I'm not really scared too, I'm just confused, even though I was so scared when I saw it. Sorry I'm bad at writing. My husband listens to your podcast regularly and until a couple days ago, I thought he was nuts. While my encounter was not as up close and personal, it was nonetheless terrifying to me and I feel that it has forever changed me. And the way I view the world. I had just arrived home, a few minutes after dusk, after visiting my parents. Our location is rural, but we do have a few neighbors within shouting distance of us. We have 33 acres of mixed forests and fields, with lots of thick brush, consisting mostly of briars. I had my two young children with me, in the Jeep, ages 2 years and 11 months, when I pulled in the driveway that night. My husband was working late, with an emergency case. It was near fully dark when I arrived home. As soon as I stepped from my vehicle, I felt creeped out. It felt different outside. We have lots of peepers and crickets that would normally be making lots of noise. Even the birds are usually chirping until an hour or more past dark. This time, there was not a sound. It was very warm that evening, so the peepers should have been in full chorus. Because of my uneasy feeling, I was rushing to get the kids in the house, at the same time, and did not want to leave RJ in the car alone, for a minute, as I routinely do. He and our older daughter, who was asleep, are normally too heavy for me to carry together, at the same time. That night though, I grabbed them both, one in each arm, after finding my keys to the front door and carried them both. Usually, I would use the auto garage door, however, the opener did not work. When I reached the front door, at the top of the stairs and got situated, on the front porch, I put down Angelina, in order to open the front door. As soon as I turned my attention back to the front door, it happened. Somewhere to my left came a sound that will be forever seared into my memory. It started low and slowly increased to a moderately loud growl. It was deep-toned and very guttural and was angry or hateful in character. It was nothing like anything I had ever heard before, but it did sound canine in origin especially after spending an hour listening to various animal growls. The growl continued for approximately 10 seconds. I was so terrified, I was fumbling with the keys. It really felt like I was dropped into an 80s horror film. I really did think I was going to die. I was sure any second, the thing making this sound was going to pounce upon me and the kids and eat us, right on the spot. The growl sounded as though the creature was standing just off to my left. 
I refused to look out of fear of what I would see. It sounded so close and at or even above eye level with me. My porch extends another 5 feet to the left and then off the porch is the front of the house. There's 35 yards of grass to the edge of the tree line and there's a field with 2 foot tall grass opposite that. There's also a small shed between our porch and the tree line. Standing on the front porch, from my head to the ground is approximately 9 feet. So, I assume it was standing near the corner of the house. I had never been so afraid, until a few moments later, when it actually spoke to me. As the growl continued, it seemed to melt into audible words, spoken in a very deep and gruff tone, that seemed to have a rough sort of reverberation quality to them. What I heard as clear as day was, you can't get in. The only word that I'm unsure of is the first, you. As the sound of growl transitioned to English words and it sounded more like he. Now, I was hysterical and dropping the keys. Finally, I got the right one in and got the door open and got in. I had to kick my daughter through the door, regretfully. Strangely, she seemed oblivious to what had just transpired, as if she didn't hear it. I slammed the door shut and never looked. I didn't hear anything else that night. I called my husband and his friend, to let them know what happened. So, I never did actually see what terrorized me, because I couldn't look. I've had two days to to think about this encounter and talk with my husband, who has listened to every episode of Dog Man Encounters Radio. I'm f- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Fairly certain that this was what was growling at me. The sound was not human and seemed like it was amped or mic'd up, because it seemed so powerful. Not that it was a loud growl, but it seemed unnatural. Also, the height it seemed to emanate from and the silence that preceded it lead me to that conclusion. My husband agrees, because the entire week, he too has been on edge. We have lived here for a year and all seemed normal, until this week. Our cat, which is an indoor cat, got out accidentally and has vanished, without a trace. She has gotten out before and just stood around, until we got her back in the house. Also, my husband said Tuesday night, he experienced the silence outside and it really unnerved him too. He says he has never experienced anything so eerie. On Wednesday, he took our dog up into the woods, to look for our cat and felt very uneasy. He said the dog kept tucking its tail and turning around, wanting to go home. It's not like our dog or my husband to feel uneasy in the woods, because both of them love the outdoors and are very comfortable in nature. 
On Thursday, at dusk, he took the dog around the back lot and says something took off from the thickets, at a sprint and came crashing through the woods, down the hill, towards him. He always carries a sidearm when he is out and is normally not afraid of anything, but he actually turned and ran back up towards the house. Whatever was charging stopped seconds after he stopped to listen and did not make another sound. He was very concerned when he came in, stating that he knows what big game sounds like and that this was, just not right. Even he was surprised that he ran from the sound. The following day was when my encounter happened. After talking about all of these events with my husband, we are concerned that there is a dog man in the area. My husband listened to episodes 90 and 91 and is so worried that this thing has decided to stalk one or both of our kids. My husband said that based on those episodes, it sounds like the dog man plans ahead when snatching kids and he thinks it may have been scouting the area, with plans to do just that. He said it was doing that or that it was waiting for me to leave one of the kids in the jeep, for a minute. Either way, none of this is good. The main reason why I wanted to submit this was because it seems very unique in that it spoke to me. It wasn't the words, but the feeling it gave me that disturbed me most. It was as if it was trying to give me the impression that I was nothing and that I was weak and just food. I got the impression that it was saying can't get in, like ha ha. You're mine. It's hard to explain, because it seemed like it was conveying its frame of mind and that it was, for lack of a better description, making fun of me, in a very cruel way. I really want to know if you have ever heard of one of these monsters actually speaking. My husband and I really want to believe that our conclusions are wrong, but instinct and your show have us highly convinced that it in fact was a dog man. We thank you deeply, for keeping the show going, being informed, and not leading us to believe that the monster is probably literally hiding out and waiting for us. That just might save one or all of our lives. Thank you for all that you do. Please let us know what you think about all of this. For about a month now, every time I leave my boyfriend's house late at night, between 12 and 4 a.m., which is quite often, I hear rustling in the forest next to his place. The first time it happened, we both heard it, but saw nothing. I asked him if it was a deer but the land next to his house is an incredibly steep slope and fenced in, so not sure why a deer would be right on the edge of the tree line. I was not scared at this point. The next few times creeped me out a bit. The rustling was accompanied by bigger and taller branches breaking as whatever it is scurried away. For context, his kitchen is right beside the forest and has large windows all around, so you can see into it pretty easily. At this point, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Around the fifth or sixth time, I had asked him if he had seen anything else and he mentioned that the night before, as I walked away, he spotted a creature stretched low to the ground, pale, long, and weirdly shaped limbs. He mentioned that it moved strangely and he had no idea what it was. My boyfriend is very skeptical so he kind of laughed at me when I kept asking him questions about the creature's appearance. The next night it happened once more. Except this time, as I got in my car to drive home, I was hit with the worst feeling of absolute dread and the most gut-wrenching nausea I had ever experienced. I hadn't eaten anything unusual, and it was so random I wasn't sure what to make of it. I've never felt dread,
panic or nausea all at once like this before. And I have encountered some near-death experiences. The only other unusual thing that has been happening is I have been hearing a weird high-pitched screech, frequency that is coming from that forest area. There's no farmland or anything else near. It's not coming from inside the house. I haven't seen the creature myself, so all I have to go off of is my boyfriend's depiction. But given he doesn't believe in anything otherworldly or aside from the norm, I'm choosing to trust it. The creature making these sounds from the forest every single night has to be pretty big, because it hits branches that are high up and causes a pretty big ruckus when it scurries away. Any ideas what I could be dealing with? I will say I haven't heard it the last few times. I haven't changed anything, except maybe leaving a bit earlier. This sighting occurred near Blackstone in Brunswick County, Virginia. It happened in May at 2 o'clock in the morning. The location is an area of the resident's backyard where he's got woods that are alongside a soybean field. The witness and his son were outside armed with a pistol and a shotgun. They were checking for what had made a heavy thud sound at the back of their house. They thought it might be a burglar or a bear especially since something had been causing trouble around their property for the past two years. This is what the witness stated in his report, I saw a deer run as if it was being chased. Then I saw a huge figure step out of the woods. This thing was at least eight feet tall. I screamed out to this thing to stop. It moved toward us running. I told my son to shoot. He shot in its direction. Then it ran to my left flank and continued to run toward us. We ran back towards the house. I was in terror because the thing was shaped like a man but it was covered with hair. I stopped and watched it walk into the light from the house. It was huge and there was an odor that really stunk. It stayed in sight for about 5 minutes before it walked into the woods. There was follow-up report from a local investigator, D, who confirmed the event with the sun. He said it was too dark to see well but he could clearly hear loud heavy running footsteps coming towards them. The witness also said it made a huffing noise and a shrieking sound when his son shot his gun. The thing rapidly approached the father and son and stopped just 15 feet short of where the witness stood. In the seconds before the witness turned and ran back to his house he saw a massive creature 4 feet wide that dropped from two legs to a three-point crouch placing one hand on the ground. While it was too dark to make out the details of the face he felt he could see well enough to discern a surprised look on the creature's face. It looked at him panting heavily at this point. The man and son ran back to their house where his wife was. She told DK that her husband's face was blanched white with a look of terror ran for some time he was unable to verbalize clearly. When he had calmed down enough to tell her what he'd seen he could only describe it as a big hairy demon. When the witness investigated the area the next day there were 18 to 20 inch long footprints in the field. He also found long brown and gray hair in the woods behind his home. This isn't the first time strange things have happened at his property. There had been several occurrences of what we would call possible Bigfoot activity that he had attributed to people messing around on his property. Something had been pounding on the walls of his home and throwing rocks at his family and onto his roof. On many occasions heavy things like a riding lawnmower or trailer had been moved overnight. There had also been loud howls coming out of the woods at night. 
Their young daughter had claimed to see a hairy man outside a window but the witness didn't believe her at the time. This was prior to him having this actual visual encounter where he saw this creature just 15 feet away from him. Also, the witness may have seen this creature before but attributed to activity associated to nearby Fort Pickett, an Army National Guard maneuver training center. One evening he saw what he thought was a very large guardsman wearing a backpack and a ghillie suit walking along the road in front of his house. The second time, about a year later when he saw the figure again, he called out to the figure and it began walking fast, until it turned into the woods along the road and disappeared. What makes this account even more interesting is that there were two reports coming out of Fort Pickett by soldiers who were training there. Both incidents occurred during the course of the same day, about two weeks prior to this witness encounter. DK spent several nights camping out on the resident's property, later confirming unusual howling and movement in the woods that he believes was a Bigfoot. I was staying at a cave hut in Wales on my own once, and had a pretty creepy experience. I stay at very remote cave huts a lot but never before on my own. This cave hut is huge, it used to be 10 terraced miners' cottages, and has dozens of bunk rooms and common rooms downstairs. It's utterly remote, and it doesn't have any curtains or blinds, so there's no way of telling if anyone is looking in the windows when it's dark. Not that that's very likely, given the remoteness of the place, but I did get a shock when I saw the glowing eyes of some sheep looking in the kitchen window at me. There's no phone reception, no neighbors, and it's halfway up a Welsh mountain. There is a payphone in the conference room but it's supposed to be for emergencies, cave rescue call-outs, etc., and I didn't even know how to turn it on. This place is so creepy that they used it as a set for one of the episodes of Torchwood. Countryside, the episode about the cannibalistic Welsh villagers. I'm a fairly rational person but I was definitely getting myself a bit worked up once it went dark. The sheep incident particularly scared the bejesus out of me. But the bit of the hut I find spookiest, apart from the curtainless windows, is the bunk rooms upstairs. Because the hut was converted from 10 cottages, there's no main hallway either upstairs or downstairs, and all the rooms connect in a rambly, circular sort of way. Most of the bunk beds are triple height, so there's pretty much no way to see all of a room at once, and the lights go off on a timer. I picked a bottom bunk in a room that had double width bunk beds, and went to bed early. I'm woken up at about 2am by very loud banging coming from the radiator pipes, which are right by my head. I initially panic, but convince myself that it's either the heating coming on, or else another group of cavers has arrived very late and are having showers or cooking. Due to the size of the place, there could well be another group that I hadn't heard arrive. So I go back to sleep. About an hour later, I am woken up again by more banging, but this time it's more like wood on wood, and it's coming from the ceiling. It's almost like someone wearing boots, stamping on the wood of the attic floor above me. This time I nearly shit myself. The only thing that stopped me leaving the room was the thought of all those spooky dark bunk rooms outside my room. Eventually it stopped, and somehow I went back to sleep. It's only when I woke up the next morning that I realized that there was no way the pipe noise could have been the heating, because it's never turned on.
No other people have arrived overnight either, so that rules that out. That morning, a few local cavers come up to the hut and I get talking to one of them about what I heard. He tells me that he had a similar experience in that room. He's a very superstitious person and instantly accepted that it was a ghost or similar in the attic, I'm much more skeptical. So he decided to go up into the attic and investigate what was up there. Even though I'm a skeptic, what he said next sent shivers down my back. The attic room up above that room is not boarded, meaning that there's no way a ghost could have been stamping on the floor in the attic. So the only rational explanation, in his opinion, was that it was actually stamping, or banging, on the ceiling of the bunk room. The bunk room I was asleep in. I've never stayed at that hut alone again, and I've never slept in that particular bunk room. Edit, sorry this turned into a bit of an essay, I'd forgotten just how scary this particular experience was. I grew up on about 10 acres. Not big but with other people's property having acreage around me. It was a lot bigger of an area nobody was around. It was all wooded too. Well besides two acres for the house and yard. Anyways I'm like five playing outside and my neighbor and his friend walk over. They were roughly 13 and came over all the time to see my brother and sister. They walk up and say hey you know something's in your bushes right? Confused and curious we walk outside expecting a normal deer or elk to walk out. Nope. A man walks up all bloody, high as shit middle of the day. We all run inside lock the doors and try and hide so he doesn't see us. As we call 911. The police eventually come get him after he breaks a glass door panel and almost gets in. I'm still scared of the dark. Even though I am a mother I am not afraid to admit I'm scared of the dark from it. My brother always made jokes about it growing up. A few buddies and I decided to drive from Colorado down to Arizona one year. Since there were four of us we decided to just leave in the evening and drive through the night so we could be in Arizona by the next afternoon. So we are making decent time, headed through New Mexico and start to realize the gas is a bit low and we haven't really seen anything for a while. Usually you see at least a sign every couple miles telling you how far it is to the next set of stores, gas stations or fast food places, but we haven't noticed any and the tank is getting super low. Finally we saw one random sign indicating that there is a gas station about a mile off a pull-off a bit ahead. But we are all a bit stressed because the needle is basically below empty this point and we are in the middle of nowhere New Mexico, literally just pitch black but you can see the outlines of the low hills from the moonlight. Not too freaky, but whatever. So we pull off at the exit that the sign says and drive a ways, which felt like a lot more than a mile, basically now wondering what the hell we are going to do if we run out of gas that we are off the highway. We finally see a light up ahead and can tell it's a gas station, but as we pull up we notice a few weird things. First, the only lights are the street lamp next to the gas station and the fridge lights inside at the back of the gas station convenience store, no indoor lights, nothing else, and of course the fridge lights are like old yellowish creepy as hell lights that those old fridges have. It's clearly a very old gas station, only two pumps, no prices, and just had an extremely weird vibe about it. 
Finally, the creepiest thing about it was that there were four cars in the parking lot, older model sedans and a pickup, just sitting there. No lights, nothing else. We pulled up to it and paused in the street just sitting there, and I think all four of us just knew we should not get out of the car and that we should leave immediately, the combination of the eerie gas station, the four parked cars with no one in sight, and the creepy New Mexico rolling hills just creeped all of us out. Without any of us saying a word we flipped a U-turn and headed back to the highway, praying that we at least made it that far in case we needed to hitchhike to get some gas. By some miracle we made it up the road another couple miles to another pull-off with an actual big-name gas station. Somehow we ended up pumping more gas than the car's manual indicated it had capacity for, and even at that gas station there was some creepy trucker just sitting at the pump next door watching us from his cab. In the Appalachian Mountains, August of 1990, I, 17-year-old Jamie, decided I needed an adventure. With a heavy heart and a desire to escape, I sneaked away from my home in Minnesota and embarked on a bus ride bound for Florida. However, halfway there, in North Carolina, a change of heart led me to retrace my steps and head back home. Unfortunately, the next bus wouldn't depart for two days leaving me stranded with no place to stay. Determined to make the most of the situation, I decided to camp out in the Great Smoky Mountains. Equipped with a bull whip and a machete, I felt prepared to face the wilderness and any wildlife I might encounter. Little did I know that what awaited me in those dark woods was something beyond my wildest nightmares. In the dead of night, around 1 to 1.30 in the morning, a terrifying sound jolted me awake. Instinctively, I grabbed my bullwhip, scanning the area for any signs of danger. The noise grew closer, and my heart pounded with fear as I noticed shadows moving in the bushes. Then, my eyes met the creatures, its eyes a sickly yellow, unmistakably monstrous. My adrenaline surged as I realized I was being hunted. My fear was overwhelming, but I knew I had to defend myself. The creature's reptilian appearance, with ridges on its head and talon-like hands, sent shivers down my spine. I snapped my bullwhip at it, but to my horror, it effortlessly snatched and destroyed it. Panic overtook me, and I ran as fast as my legs could carry me, desperate to create distance between myself and whatever nightmarish being lurked in those woods. With my heart still racing, I sought refuge by diving into a cold mountain stream, hoping to put some distance between me and the creature, uncertain if it could swim or not. As I emerged on the other side of the river, I continued walking for hours, my mind reeling from the traumatic encounter. Eventually, fate led me to cross paths with a Cherokee native man. Exhausted and bruised, I mustered the courage to ask for a ride back to the bus station. As we drove, he saw the state I was in and inquired about what had happened. I hesitated, wondering if I would be dismissed as crazy. After a long pause, I decided to share my harrowing encounter with the creature in the woods. To my surprise, the man didn't dismiss me or question my sanity. Instead, he spoke with a quiet knowing and simply said, you're lucky you only ran into the one. Let's go. There was no need for further explanation, we both understood the inexplicable nature of what I had faced. In the safety of his presence, 
I reflected on the encounter that had forever changed me. I couldn't help but wonder about the mysteries hidden within the vast expanse of the Appalachian Mountains, mysteries beyond our understanding, perhaps best left undisturbed. I had sought adventure, but what I found was an unimaginable terror that would haunt my dreams for years to come. I go camping quite a lot, and by camping I mean in the middle of nowhere. This one time I was trying out my new hammock on a five-day backpacking trip near mine in Ontario. As I lay there one night thinking of the next day, this weird banging noise like if someone was hitting a stick on the tree startled me. It sounded like it was maybe 10 feet from me but I couldn't see anything and with my hammock I can see pretty much everything around me. The moon was so bright that if anything was around I could easily see it. I couldn't so I decided to go to bed. Fast forward an hour later, I hear the same thing. Except this time it was closer and louder. I decided to investigate, but as soon as I moved the hammock this thing about 8 feet tall emerged from the tree line and slowly walked past my hammock about 4 feet from me disappearing down a grassy hill on my left. To this day I don't know what it was, but all I know is that I almost shat my pants. So two stories both from my dad who was an avid outdoorsman, hunter and fisherman. Early bow season he went out scouting for whitetail he walked around from dawn till about midday until he came to a large clearing. Inside of this clearing he noticed what he claims to be hundreds of 55 galon steel drums cut in half. So being a curious person he decided to go look unknowingly stumbling into a large marijuana grow operation. According to him he was like F this and just left. Second story is in rural Alabama once again hunting in a new area. Came to what looked like meadow with tall grass apparently he stumbled over what looked to be a cross. When we returned to camp an inquiry was made about this and apparently it was an old slave graveyard. It's just weird how the ghosts of history can sneak up on us in weird ways. So this time I wasn't intending on going a hike or camping or anything like that, I had gone to a state park near my home to just walk on one of the trails they had. So I'm walking along its broad day light out maybe one in the afternoon when I noticed a side path going off the trail. Now if you have some experience hiking you will know about so-called social trails which are paths made by people to get to interesting sites and such. Well I figured this was just a forming social trail and go off on it to check out what people are going to see. I don't walk that long or far, far enough that I can't see the established trail anymore but not so far I can't tell where I am in comparison to the trail if that makes sense. Well I come this clearing and in the middle of it is a tiny graveyard, maybe 10 headstones in all, it was surrounded by a simple wooden fence and had an old rotted wood bench in the front of it. First off all let me tell you about the feeling I got from this place, it was. Sad. Just so very very sad, like you know how in Harry Potter they describe the presence of a Dementor being like all the happiness in the world was gone and you could never feel happiness again, well that's what it felt like. I went from being in a fairly good mood too. Well anyways it was weird. Secondly the gravestones were old. Some were crumbled and fallen while others were worn and had plant life grown over them. Naturally I went over and tried to find dates on the stones. 
Nine out of ten of the stone's words were worn away but as luck would have it the last stone wasn't completely worn. I couldn't read it but as I felt it I got the person's death date was July, 13, 1817. This graveyard was at least almost 200 years old, probably older due to the state of the other markers. After all of these observations I decided to pay my respects and be on my way, I stayed a little longer seeing I figured these people hadn't had visitors in a while. There was an old bench that I sat on at the front of this graveyard and rested a moment talking to them, for my own comfort I guess. Some time passes and I figure I've bothered the dead's rest long enough so I leave, find my way back to my trail and continue my walk. Suddenly my phone goes off six to seven times in a row and I check, I have seven new messages. My phone was acting like it had been off for the past 10 minutes and suddenly I had reconnected to it again. Weird but whatever probably a weird glitch or something. I finish my walk and stop by the visitor's center to buy something from the vending machine and talk to the park rangers there. I have become friends with one of them up there and asked him about the graveyard. He gave me this really confused look and said there isn't any graveyards within the park. I get a serious look and tell him to stop joking and he just shrugs repeat there were no graveyards within the park. I then explained to him how I had spent a whole 10 minutes sitting at this graveyard. He gets this really confused look this time and said I had been up at the trails for 3 hours and he thought I had gone on the 10 mile trail, he saw my car driving past earlier. Checking my phone I was shocked to seen it was 4pm. I had been at that graveyard for 3 hours and it only felt like it was 10 minutes. So turns out my ranger friend has been keeping a log book of weird experiences and happenings within the park and asked me to write mine. I did and went home. I don't know what happened guys. Where was I? I'm a biologist, and I had the incredible opportunity to explore the vast wonders of the Amazon rainforest. It was an expedition like no other, surrounded by the lush greenery, diverse wildlife, and the constant excitement of identifying various species of plants and animals. Each day brought new discoveries, and I felt like a kid in a never-ending playground of scientific mysteries. As I ventured deeper into the bush, I relished in the joy of identifying trees, birds, monkeys, spiders, and so much more. Every find filled me with exhilaration and a sense of purpose. But then, one fateful day, everything changed. I was following a faint trail through the dense undergrowth when I noticed something peculiar moving in the shadows. Curiosity took over, and I moved cautiously closer, my eyes widening in disbelief as I laid eyes on the strangest creature I'd ever encountered. It was like an alien from another world, a surreal manifestation of the Lovecraftian horrors I'd read about in my spare time. This creature defied any classification. It seemed to possess attributes from multiple phyla and species, stitched together in a bizarre and discomforting amalgamation. Its form was utterly incomprehensible, and my brain struggled to process what my eyes were witnessing. It was as if I had stumbled upon a secret of nature that had never been meant for human eyes. The encounter left me speechless, unable to find the right words to describe this unearthly entity. It was beyond any scientific understanding or known taxonomy. I felt a mix of wonder, fear, and reverence for this enigmatic being that seemed to defy the laws of nature.
As a biologist, I had dedicated my life to unraveling the mysteries of the natural world, but this encounter had humbled me beyond measure. It was a reminder that no matter how much we know, the universe is bound to be more vast, complex, and unknowable than we can ever comprehend. For days, I found myself haunted by the image of that creature, the indescribable beast that had forever altered my perception of the world. I couldn't help but wonder if I was the only human who had laid eyes upon it, or if someone else in some obscure corner of academia had stumbled upon a similar enigma. As I continued my journey through the Amazon, my heart pounded with both trepidation and excitement. The Lovecraftian horror I had encountered had shaken the foundations of my understanding, but it had also ignited a spark of unyielding curiosity. Despite my inability to grasp its nature, I knew that this encounter had changed me as a biologist, as a person. In the heart of the Amazon, I learned that there will always be mysteries lurking in the shadows, waiting for the intrepid souls who dare to explore. The discomforting unknown now beckoned me, and I couldn't help but embrace the awe-inspiring grandeur of a world far more vast and inexplicable than I had ever dreamed. One afternoon in Tempe, Arizona, a man walked into a hotel where I worked. He had a coat on, a pea-green military-type coat, and butcher paper, yes, he had butcher paper around himself like some kind of tube top, under his coat like a shirt. In addition, one of his legs was twice as big as the other. He asked to use the pay phone in the lobby. I told him, sure not yet realizing how weird he looked, he was obscured by the desk and the entry door. We started out with a weird vibe the moment he crossed the lobby to the phone. When we finally got a chance to look at him, he walked a bit slow. However, this made sense as his leg appeared swollen. He then made a call and turned slightly to keep me and my co-worker in his attention, sort of out of his peripheral vision. Very soon we could tell he wasn't listening to anyone and the phone made noises like it was off the hook. I decided that was enough and demanded he leave which he did abruptly by our side door. Now the really weird part. My co-worker took a picture of him on that payphone with an old flip phone. In the digital pixelation, he was moving, which rendered him blurrier than the rest of the picture. He looked like his face was an oversized toothy grinning skull. Black eyes and a hole where his nose should be. It was so bizarre. It reminds me of the story about the man made of parts and the mirrored sunglasses, a story from Victoria, England in which a man encountered a man he thought was made of parts. Later that day, a police officer came to the hotel asking if we had seen a man fitting the same description. I acknowledged that we had and told the police officer what occurred. I then inquired why he was asking about this bizarre man. The police officer stated that the man was seen in a nearby park by a couple who later reported that the man had suddenly vanished into thin air just a few yards away from them. This occurred in late 2019 before the sea lockdown. I haven't heard anything further about the unknown man, or whatever he was. So, I need some advice I live in the backwoods of NEPA and yesterday while hiking into state game lands, I heard my nephew screaming for help. Mind you, I am three miles from any roads and they were miles away shopping. My dog was terrified, 
I was wary and ignored the yelling and just pretended it didn't happen. It went off and on for an hour or so and then silence. I continued my way back home through the woods when I was done. Last night, after a bunch of storms rolled through, I hear my dog's collar tags tingling outside. Like he's running walking all sorts of tingles. He was next to me, his collar off for the night. He then proceeded to go hide upstairs next to my dad for the night, he's never done that before. Am I experiencing a skinwalker? I feel like I led something home yesterday.